Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's the Round Ball Rock Podcast. Starring Dave Schilling, Kenny Satterfield, Shamond Williams, Joey Devine, Junior Harrington, John Crotty, Sean Keen, Pledrog Sobovich. Musical guest, Fleetwood Mac! And now, the temporary host of Round Ball Rock, Joey Devine! Hi, it's me, uh, Joey Devine, your temporary host of Round Ball Rock. Uh, I am here with my very good friend, Sean Keen. Sean, how are you? I'm good. Doing great. Feeling good about basketball. Feeling good about... Uh... The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominee. They came out uh, today. Five AM, baby. <laughs> it's like the Oscars, except for no one. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> this is not a Hall of Fame for anyone. I mean, for the city of Cleveland, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, city of Cleveland. Um, it rocks. I don't know if you know that. That's it's a really good point, except- Drew Carey. The Sometimes. induction ceremony is at the Barclays Center this year, not in Cleveland. Oh, right. It hasn't been for a while. Why don't they switch they don't... off between Cleveland and the Barclays Center for some reason? That's very odd. And mm-hmm. Cle- what does Cleveland do? They do it at Quicken Loans Arena normally. I don't know where they do it in Cleveland. I don't know that much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. You've uh, but you have been on a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame podcast three times now. Three times, yeah. Um, yeah. it's a good podcast. Listen to it. It's our friend Joe Quazala's podcast with our other friend Kristen Studdard, and it is called Who Cares About the Rock Hall? <laughs> Let's talk about the news. 
This is Round Ball Rock News. Basketball news. For humans and robots. Trust the process. Our top story is J.R. Smith this week. Uh, did a lot of hilarious J.R. Smith things. Uh, children's book author J.R. Smith had an altercation with Aaron Baines during a preseason game that turned into an altercation with Marcus Smart. Smith got fined $15,000 for pushing Baines. Smart got fined $25,000 for essentially fighting his own team, trying to fake fight J.R. Smith. Yeah, I mean, he did hit J.R. Smith on the back of the head, which is like what he got his fine for. I think maybe that's what the 10000 extra dollars is for, is for hitting somebody in the head. But he but also, also maybe, got dragged into the stands by his own players. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, Jason Tatum wrestled him to the ground like maybe like a 24 or 25-year-old would have done it. And so that's very <laughs> impressive that at the age of 20, he was able to handle Marcus Smart like that. Um, oh, and the, also the the reason this incident started was that Aaron Baines did the uh, Kelly Olynyk arm lock move that uh, knocked Kevin Love out of the playoffs in 2015. Yeah. And that's why J.R. Smith pushed him. Mm-hmm. So uh, apparently that's in the teachings of Brad Stevens. Like that's the only thing you can conclude. Or just that uh, white big men are a menace. Are the teachings of Stevens the exact opposite of the teachings of Peaches? I think that's right, right? <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah, because because he's like, no thanks, get those get those titties away from me. Yeah, he is not. He's like, I will do anything to get the pain away, except fuck. Yeah, I will. I will run on a treadmill <laughs> to get the pain away. Ice the pain away. <laughs> Um, so JR spent the whole time with Marcus Smart being restrained by his entire team, just laughing in Marcus Smart's face. Yes. And then he made a chatterbox motion with his hands. I wouldn't have known how to describe it, but that's how the Associated Press said Mm -hmm. it. So I'm like, all right, that's official. It's a AP style guide. That is the chatterbox motion. That's what Um, that's known as when you make your hands look like they're talking and no one's listening. So last year, Marcus Smart was out for a lot of the year because he punched a uh, picture in his hotel room. Yeah, it was uh, it was a photo of Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> um, how amazing would it have been if he hurt himself being restrained trying to fight J.R. Smith? I mean, are we sure he didn't? Fair like, point. Yeah, I've, I've. It would be the greatest. Uh, I mean, we don't game. root for for people to get hurt, obviously, but it would be a hilarious injury. Well, sure. if Jason Tatum injured him, it would be hilarious. <laughs> him involving himself in a fight that he was not a part of, and also probably actually wanted no part of. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm sure it's going to make Boston fans love him even more and pronounce the R in both his names even less. Uh, yeah, Mark, Mark is never happy. Mark is never happy. Mark is never happy. <laughs> um, that's their chant for him now. Um, so after the game, Marcus Smart told reporters, all that on the court, we can handle that off the court. I ain't with that. That's on my mama. May she rest in peace. Ain't no punk right here. Um, okay. 
Then J.R. JR Smith tweeted, You big mad, angry face, and then five crying laughing emojis. And then said, Meet me on, on street, damn the back. <laughs> so my question for you, Sean, is uh-huh. would these guys actually fight? I think the answer is no. Um, but if you're picking one of those guys who's going to fight you on the street, uh, obviously J.R. Smith is likely to do that. Probably the most willing, I feel like, street fighter. Oh, no. Um, James Johnson's the most willing street fighter. No, he he can't because his hands are classified as deadly weapons. <laughs> oh, he's the most willing cage fighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mistake. <laughs> um, But I think... We're not dealing with, like, a Serge Ibaka situation. Like, I could see J.R. Smith fighting a guy on, like, a like like at a loading dock. You know what I mean? Like, he... They I could mean, have fought, though. That's I the mean, thing. I actually think this is two guys who would actually fight each other. I mean, there, there's two guys who... There are two guys who have definitely have fought before. I mean, Marcus Smart basically fought a uh, a fan in college. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> um... So my question for you, Sean, it's not on the list. This is a surprise uh, question, but I came okay. up with it before we went. Is if these guys were street fighters, what would their special moves be? Oh, um, well, JR would clearly have, like, he'd be able to generate a pipe. Right. You know what I mean, he'd yeah, be yeah. like, you're going to get the pipe, and then it's a pipe upside their head. Um, Marcus I Smart, also did think that a backwards or- Hadouken would be like he'd blow, like, weed smoke. Oh, that would be good, and it, yeah. it doesn't, like, knock you out. You're just very dazed and content yeah. that he, like, beats the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can say that, too. Or um, he uh, loads you into the passenger seat of his car. Well, that's his fatality, and then he, clearly. Yeah, yeah. He drinks Cavassier and then runs a stop sign, mm-hmm. and then you're murdered. Oh, he also does that air guitar thing, and a, a music note comes out. Like a fireball. Remember his air guitar celebration in New York? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, as for Marcus Smart, uh, I think his fatality for sure is that a bunch of angry white men in Celtics jerseys come out and beat the shit out of you for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're all wearing, like, Barstool Sports t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've all got, like, one name, and it's a, oh, it's pukey. Yeah. Get him, boff bag. A bunch of Tommies come out and beat the shit out of you. And, and you're just, like, showered with <laughs> points. Um, I think I think his, like, if you if you screw up the move by one button, he just starts launching weapons at you from 22 and a half feet away mm-hmm. and they all just miss yeah it's terribly uh i think he does like a dive because he dives for loose balls to, to uh-huh. fake hustle a lot you know oh yeah uh, that's... yeah and then he he does like a dive at you yeah and then like his other finishing move is uh he breaks a picture frame over your head well that yeah yeah i mean clearly that's his, <laughs> that's another one of his moves <laughs> um all right the other thing that happened in that game is uh, J.R. and Tristan Thompson made fun of J- Jason Tatum uh, when Sam Decker faked out Tatum so bad he fell down. Yeah, they did, like, what... It, it, it was a very elaborate pantomime 
re reenacting all of that stuff. Uh, it uh, showed a lot of good space object work, and it was hilarious the degree they were making fun of an opposing player in a preseason. It game. was also Sam. hilarious for us, the round ball rockers, because I would say Sam Decker and Jason Tatum are uh, two recurring bad guys on this podcast. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Jason Tatum, perhaps through no fault of his own. Uh, Sam Decker, and I, I think philosophically, uh, look, we'll all know when he and Jordan Peterson start their podcast this year. <laughs> Clean your room, Sam Decker. <laughs> um. the, the ancient cavaliers like to hunt, which is my men do not like to settle down. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk about Marvin Bagley, I guess. Sean, uh -huh. walk us through this. So I found out that Marvin Bagley is uh, a rapper, and uh, Joey, we've we we're kind of on the fence about his potential as an NBA player. Would you say like like it seems like he's pretty good basketball, but uh, he was drafted by the Kings. He was drafted by the Kings. Uh, you would say his name is pretty busty. Yes. Um, and he went to Duke. So mm -hmm. that's a lot of strikes against him. Here are some things about Marvin Bagley the third. Um, his rap name is MB35. Which is in all caps. Uh, five is spelled out. Three is a regular number. Does he wear the number five? I feel like he must, but I don't know. Uh, Keep going. I'll look that up right now. Yeah, look that up right now. Um, so he has a number, two numbers consecutively, but one he is... He wears the number 35. Oh, so he's... That's three, five... So it's not the three from him being Marvin Bagley the third. No. It's his number. That's confusing, though. He should go as Marvin, uh, as MB335. Yeah, and then the middle three is spelled out, but the N ones are three and five are just represented mm -hmm. numerically. Yeah. Okay. Um, he is putting out his first rap album this fall, okay. uh, which is called Big Dreams. That's dreams with it's a like, J. Is that like after Drew Holiday? Uh, no, it means Jesus rules everything around me. Jesus so it's like a variation Christ. on the Wu Tang if they were virgins. Um, <laughs> can you imagine that? Like eight virgin Wu Tang members. Although that would have had to been when Old Dirty Bastard was like seven years old, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> I, uh, he considers himself a conscious rapper, and he does not use profanity. When he raps, much like Will Smith for most of his career. Well, doesn't um, isn't Damian Lillard also like that? I believe, right? No, I think Damian Lillard curses. But what I was gonna say is, doesn't um, Iman Shumpert also consider himself a conscious rapper? I mean, I think a lot of people consider themselves a conscious rapper, um, but. Uh, but is that maybe why Marvin Bagley wanted to go to the Kings? Because Iman oh, because Shumpert he wanted, was there. Oh, he wanted to be mentored by Iman Shumpert. Yeah, the inspiration for the television show Power. <laughs> it's not Power, dude. Oh, it's Empire. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. Uh, uh, okay. Well, well. Here's why I do think he went. He was happy to go to the Kings. He wants to collaborate with Shaq. Oh, and Shaq told owns a long the Kings. story about. Yeah, so he started talking to his dad about like how he loved rap music and basketball, and his dad was like, well, Shaq did both. 
And he just immediately started firing up Shaq videos on YouTube and studying them. Uh, Here is a quote he had. I mentioned to Shaq getting on a remix of the song he made with Biggie, You Can't Stop the Rain. I was listening to it and I texted him. I was like, we should get on a remix. He said it would be cool. Obviously, we haven't had time to do that. But it would be cool to do and we still might have an opportunity. That's Shaq saying no. Yeah. Shaq is not doing a remix of a, a song he did with B.I.G. Shaq isn't going to be like, let's run this back. Yeah. But with MB35. <laughs> you know, Marvin Bagley, the conscious rapper. What I will say. Oh, he's 19 years old. The world needs to know what a 19-year-old from Duke is thinking right now. What I will say about this is, honestly, Marvin Bagley the third. Uh-huh. does sound a lot more like a famous rapper's name than a famous basketball player's name. Yeah, like like but, but at the same time it still sounds like it would be like Farnsworth Bentley more no, than No, no. But B-I- I mean where it would be like, "Oh, you know Method Man's real name is Marvin Bagley." Oh, right, right, right. And then you'd be like, "Well, what is what does Method Man go by?" Oh, uh M35, <laughs> the three's number and the 5 is spelled out. Like, "Oh, I'm not going to listen to that." Um <laughs> Yeah, you know Lil Peep's the, real name, right? Marvin Bagley the third. Bagley the third. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. He had warrants, and uh, you know he knew the cops were looking for Marvin Bagley the third, so he wore a mask anytime he performed. Um, would you be at all surprised if Lil Xan went to Duke? No, not yeah, really. Either. <laughs> they're, they're opening up. Like, did, though, didn't he already graduate from Georgetown Prep? Yeah. <laughs> Lil Xan, I don't know. I, this is a major uh, uh, derailment, but Lil Xan apparently he claimed he was in the hospital the other day for because he ate too many flaming hot Cheetos. Oh, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that guy's on drugs. But but isn't that the weakest thing a rapper has ever done? Being hospitalized by food that like small children eat i mean it's a lie though his whole thing is lil xan's whole thing is that he's sober and he's very clearly not sober <laughs> i mean his name is still lil xan right <laughs> yes so, so face tattoos he got on xanax <laughs> um but no that's a good question listeners what is the weakest thing a rapper has ever done uh it's- uh, being hospitalized for eating flaming hot cheetos have to be up there. Um, uh, getting drafted second overall by the Sacramento Kings <laughs> is also up there. I think. Oh, my God. So how does this make you feel differently about Marvin Bagley the Third's future as an NBA player, Not Joey? Particularly. I didn't believe in him anyway. Um, I mean, I but I just don't think fake rappers like. I think if you asked any NBA rookie, like, 60% of them all want to release, like, a fake rap album. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And, well, then they, and then they grow up and become 22 years old, and they're like, wow, that was stupid. Yeah, like, oh, thank God there's no permanent record of this. Wait, delete SoundCloud! Delete SoundCloud! <laughs> By the way, you can check out uh, MB35's... Uh, mixtape on soundcloud it has four songs and he dropped it on draft night um please send me that link we will finish this okay. show out with one of marvin bagley the third songs yes um all right let's get to the real piece of news we have here uh the suns fired their gm eight days before the season starts uh, fantastic just yeah 
I gotta say, in a way, Minnesota Timberwolves not the worst front office moves of <laughs> month of October. Well, what I found to be very weird about this is uh, how defensive of Ryan McDonough the media was when this happened. Oh wow! Didn't you think uh, that was crazy? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was really insane because, like, okay, so he's been the general manager for uh, since 2013, and they've gotten worse every year. He was the they've GM. gotten worse every year. Now, now, arguably, when he first gets hired, he makes a bunch of moves that pay off very well, uh, but he also just inherits. He inherits a team that's falsely bet. We can get into that later, but it's all of these things are like, man, he never had a chance with Robert Sarver in charge, which also is true. It's not, it, but it's, but think about. I would say the examples are like when Dwayne Casey was fired after winning Coach of the Year. No one was like, mm, really, they got to look at the ownership in Toronto to see what's going on there, and they, I mean, people never criticize the ownership and yet it's the the firing here is being played like ryan mcdonough was like a victim who yeah didn't it have would it's like if this. the thunder fired sam presti to, yeah today. it's like oh my god and it must just be that he gives a lot of reporters a lot of access right i don't know i think he's been a pretty good gm let me go through some of his moves <laughs> Oh, great. Okay. Uh, May 28th, 2013, he hired Jeff Hornacek as coach. It's the first Ooh. thing he did. It worked out okay. well, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, now, granted, he did not fire Alvin Gentry, which is like the original sin of these sons, where, yeah, they have this, they have this falsely bad year in 2012-13, which is mainly... Um, it's well they they trade Robin Lopez for Wesley Johnson. They trade Steve Nash for a bunch of draft picks and uh Channing Fry misses the whole year. Mm-hmm. And uh they like panic fire Alvin Gentry and then they hire Lindsey Hunter who's just terrible uh, as a coach and I think is a human being, right? Yeah. Uh anyway, so so this is a team that is primed for a rebound. So they hire Jeff Hornacek. Okay. Then uh, they have the fifth overall pick. He selects Alex Len. Mm-hmm. Man, they, they did have him for five years. So congratulations for keeping him on. Like, like he didn't die. That's the best you can say about Alex Len there. Um, then he trades in a three-tame trade. He trades Jared Dudley for Eric Bledsoe and Karan Butler. <laughs> Pretty good trade, honestly. Yeah, and then I think they uh, they un- and almost immediately just dumped Karan Butler. Yeah. I uh, think he's pretty injured at this point. Yeah. Um, then he trades Louis Scola for Gerald Green, Miles Plumley, and a first-round pick. That's actually a great trade. That's a tremendous <laughs> trade. Yeah, like, Scola's, like, done at that point. Well, no, he has, like, one more year. But, yeah, he's... All uh, those guys are good for them. Yeah. Then he trades Karan Butler for Ish Smith. Totally fine move. Yeah. Uh, then he trades Shannon Brown, Marcin Gortat, Malcolm Lee, and Kendall Marshall to the Wizards for Emeka Okafor and a first-round pick that becomes Tyler Ennis. Uh, I, I would say defensible trade, like getting a first-round pick for Gortat. 
you know. I mean, uh, sure. Um, he okay. Then he takes T.J. Warren with the fourteenth overall pick. So they 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 do well enough that they just miss the playoffs yeah. with this team. Uh, uh, then, thanks to these trades, but also Channing Fry comes back. You know? Right. They've. Uh, so he tra- he's he drafts T.J. Warren fourteen, Tyler Ennis eighteen. Bogdan Bogdanovich, 27th, and someone named Alec Brown with the 50th pick. Um, okay, I don't love those moves. I mean, TJ Warren's like a fine pick at 14. Yeah, I mean, he averaged 20 points last year, baby. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and Bogdan's a pretty good pick. Um, he doesn't come over for five years or whatever, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he signs Zoran Dragic to a multi-year contract. Multi-year deal. Multi. Mm-hmm. Keep keep him happy. Keep Zoran happy. <laughs> uh, trades Anthony Tolliver for to- a person named Tony Mitchell. Uh, I'm going to say that's a bad trade that's because a bad I move. know who Anthony Tolliver is, and I do mm-hmm. not know who Tony Mitchell is. Yes, <laughs> that's a very good point. Um. Trades two second-round picks, uh, one which becomes semi-Ogelay to the Celtics for Brandon Wright. Um, I mean, that's bad. It's it's like a weird thing where they... It feels like they were making a lot of, like, kind of tanky moves mm-hmm. the year before, like trading Gortat for a first-round pick and then just barely missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, that probably Gortat would have helped. I'm going to say inserts himself into the three-way trade that gets the, uh, the Clippers, uh, Austin rivers and just takes, uh, Reggie Bullock for Shavlik Randolph. It's a a good, like garbage move, but like here they're trading assets for Brandon, Wright, Who this trade does not work out, but also, also misunderstands where this son's team is. Mm -hmm. Uh, then he trades Goron and Zoron to the heat. Uh, for two first-round picks and John Sammons. Okay. Um, and those picks are those picks are protected. One of them, one of those picks is still three years away. Right. Oh well, and then we'll then immediately gets in another three-team trade. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Where he trades a first, Tyler Ennis and Miles Plumley to the Bucks for Brandon <laughs> Knight and Kendall Marshall again, who he's already traded. Oh, great. Uh, so they trade. That is the, that's the famous Laker first rounder mm-hmm. um, that they get for. It's the best asset they get in exchange for Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, he gets a get Brandon Knight. And then he gets in another three team trade where mm-hmm. he trades Isaiah Thomas uh, to the Celtics, obviously, for mm-hmm. what does he even get? It's Marcus Thornton and and the pick that becomes, that becomes Scal Labissier. Okay. Yeah. Um, Not a good it's trade. Cleveland, it's Cleveland's first round pick uh, in 2016. I'm going to say he wins none of those trades. No, and it also negates the fact that he got Isaiah Thomas for so cheap because he ruins the team. By mm-hmm. doing that, like, like all the value of like, yeah, he didn't give up very much for Eric Bledsoe. He didn't give up very much for Isaiah Thomas. It's like, well, then he got even less when he traded them and blew up the team and lost uh, Goron, who 
at the time is only like 28. Yeah. He also traded a bunch of guys he took in those with those draft picks in those trades. Yeah, I mean he like Tyler Ennis, he trades. Yeah, yeah like and then he went yeah, and and it was all to get Brandon Knight. Like that's yes, all he gets in any of those trades. Yeah, and first and some firsts. Tyler Ennis I think is also a pick from the Nash deal. Yeah. Um yeah, so essentially he's Made some shrewd moves immediately after he got hired. Oh, no. Tyler Ennis is what he gets for Gortat. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, wow. Okay. So he's he's just moving shit around at yeah. this point. Okay, then this he... This is just... Yeah, go ahead. Then he saves his job and gets Devin Booker just, like, in a... Like, with the 13th pick, which, like... Nobody had Devin Booker as being good. Uh, like, you know, that was like, uh, it was found money, basically. Yeah, and also, uh, he makes that pick in what is, like, not a super strong draft, I want to say. Right. Uh, no, I think Booker's probably the best guy in that draft, and we all know how much I hate Devin Booker, so it pains me to say that. Well, he's got, yeah, I mean, because because the guy's... Essentially, the the best guy's Towns, the second best guy's Kristaps, and then besides that, it's Devin yeah. Booker. Like he goes, he goes one pick ahead of Cameron Payne, Kelly Oubre, Scary Terry, Rashad Vaughn. Like a lot of guys who have just been like thrown in the trash right after him. So, uh, okay, then oh, oh oh, also, can I mention something? Yeah, this is during this. He just must somehow become friends with John Calipari or something, Mm -hmm. because the other thing he's doing in these deals is just acquiring an incredible amount of players who went to Kentucky. Right, because he also drafts Andrew Harrison in that same draft. Uh, Isn't, is Archie Goodwin from Kentucky? I don't know, but let's, we're taking too long. Anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah, he he ends up with Brandon Knight, Devin Booker, he just has uh, all these Kentucky guys for no reason. Um, all right. So he selects Devin Booker. That's good. Uh, and then he signs Tyson Chandler to a giant contract for uh, no reason. Well, it is for a reason. It's because he was trying to recruit LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh-huh. So that would have been their front court is Ty- Tyson Chandler and LaMarcus Aldridge joining up with like TJ Warren, PJ Tucker, and Brandon Knight. And then, Which is the 10th best team in the West, maybe? And then he trades Reggie Bullock, Danny Granger, and Marcus Morris, who he just signed previously to a big deal, to the Pistons yes. for a second-round draft pick to open up the space to not sign LaMarcus Aldridge. Yes, yes. And then essentially loses Markeith Morris as a result of trading his... Uh, identical twin slash soulmate. Yeah, who had signed to a... Uh, Lower market deals so they could be together. Yeah, they signed a con. They signed their contracts together and split an amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, February first, two thousand sixteen, fires Jeff Hornacek as head coach. Yeah, they also give Brandon Knight a giant contract yeah. that summer. Uh, then he trades Markeith Morris for Dewan Blair, Chris Humphreys, and a first round draft pick. That pick becomes Georgios Papayanis. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
Which in turn, of course, becomes Marquis Chris. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, appoints Earl Watson as head coach. Boy, not Bad a news. Cool move. Not a great move. Okay, then he selects Dragon Bender number four, Georgios Papayanis thirteen. Well, but, okay, and trades Bog, the pick trades Bogdan Bogdanovich again. One of the only good things he's gotten in any of these trades. Mm-hmm. And the picks that become Scalabissier and Papa Giannis for Marquise Chris. Yeah. And also selects Tyler Eulis in that draft. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, then he trades P.J. Tucker for Jared Sullinger and a draft pick that's going to become Alec Peters and a draft pick that's going to become George King. God, I don't know who George King is. Exactly. Not Not good. Um, Alec Peters has a distinct Tyler Lydon look to him. <laughs> um, selects Josh Jackson with the first, with the fourth pick overall. Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> um, signs Alan Williams to a multi-year contract. Well, he's already been cut, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> signed Anthony Bennett. Okay. Appointed Jay Chirano as interim head coach after firing Earl Watson. <laughs> so Earl Watson had the job for a year and a half? Yes. Not even, but yeah, okay. Uh, trade wow, he fi- oh, he fired He fired that coach like 10 days into the season? Not even 10 days Four into games. the season. <laughs> oh my god. Um, trades a second round draft pick for Alfred Payton. Okay, that's fine. I mean, yeah. Sure. Uh, trades Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks for Greg Monroe, a second round draft pick and a 2019 first round draft pick. That's like protected in a bunch of weird ways. Yeah. So he, they probably have the Bucks pick next year, but it's going to be like in the 20s. Uh, drafts DeAndre Ayton, Elia Kobo, George King, and trades Zaire Smith for, and a Miami unprotected pick for from Mikhail the Bridges. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that Mikhail Bridges pick is actually the pick they got from the Lakers for Steve Nash. Uh-huh. So they got it back. <laughs> um, signs Trevor Ariza as a free agent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, signs Devin Booker to a giant multi-year deal, and then he immediately breaks his hand. Uh-huh. Um. Hey, this is a good move. Uh, trades cash to the Sixers for Rishon Holmes in a million dollars. I mean, I guess they have four other centers. True. I do like Rishon Holmes, though. Um, and then he trades Jerry Dudley and a second round pick to the Nets for Darrell Arthur and a second round pick. But the second round pick is top 35 protected. <laughs> Uh, then he trades Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight for Ryan Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. Uh, which is, I guess, a trade I like, but it, it required Ryan Anderson just giving up a bunch of money to make it because he just wanted out of Houston. It went off the bench. So here's um, the question, Sean. Yeah. Why are we defending that guy like he's a good GM? I don't understand it. He's like, he's the ultimate, like, oh, just acquire assets, dude, without building anything that's ever been a playable roster. Well, and it's like, it's like the ultimate, like shifting the deck chairs on the Titanic. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, think about how many three-team trades he made. He made three in one day. Yeah, it, it's just... Uh, and he basically, like, acquires a lot of draft picks and then tosses them away like they're worthless. Mm-hmm. Because he is bad at drafting. Yeah, and he's and he's constantly giving up on the players he drafted mm-hmm. within, like, a year and a half. Um... I, I don't understand why 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 you're crediting this guy. Like it's it's like I mean it the is ultimate, now, you know what it to might, be fair, Robert Sarver does fucking suck. Yeah, and I'm sure he you know, many of these decisions were probably Robert Sarver things. Uh I would say maybe when he made all those that all that crazy Drogic and Drogic and uh, Isaiah out, Brandon Knight in. That feels like it could be a Robert Sarver move. But um, but it, except it just, that was his fault because he signed all these starting point guards. And then they were all unhappy. Yeah. Yeah, no. he Any value he had from like being... But he also didn't sign Drogic in the first place. You know? Right. Uh. It just feels like this is what you would do if you, you know, they talk about people that are just kind of like uh, rotisserie basketball fantasy GMs. This is exactly what a fantasy GM does. Just like moving shit around and like like playing for, they've gotten so, they acquired so many first round picks and they got so little out of it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the jury's out on their team now, which has what, four rookies, five rookies? Yeah. Um, but I don't really understand why he got fired now and not like two years ago. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, there's one more story I want to get before we get to a bunch of reader questions. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dallas hired professional gambler and Bitcoin miner Haralabob Vulgaris. Oh, yes. Uh, he's, really, he's really Mark Cuban's kind of guy, isn't he? Right, he really does seem like they they share a lot of traits in common, uh, like super respectful of women, um, a lot of respect for regulations and laws. Mm-hmm. Um, probably don't like to dress up particularly. Yeah. They both <laughs> really not... like to uh, um, act like they're like geniuses. Yeah, because I do believe Haralabob was making a lot of money gambling on basketball but then he stopped gambling on basketball and i'm just wondering how good was he at gambling on basketball well this is actually a funny thing uh our friend friend of the pod brendan lynch follows a Uh lot of professional sports gamblers oh uh, i love it and they all are like haralabob is nobody we've never heard of him like any big fish who was making a lot of money gambling we know, and we've never heard of this fucking guy. <laughs> Who, like, lived in Canada, not Las yeah. Vegas. Or, <laughs> um, And, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's bad at analyzing basketball, necessarily. Like, he's... Um, I, I actually like him on podcasts. And I, I will his... say, he always talks about how his biggest win was betting on the uh, We Believe Warriors. Uh-huh. Um... And if I had had any money at all, I also would have made that bet. Like, right. anyone who'd paid attention that season knew the Warriors were going to beat the Mavericks because, like, the Mavericks just couldn't beat them that year. 
yeah, it was just the worst matchup possible. They were like four and zero on the year, team. and the Mavericks had had won like sixty eight games, and the Warriors had beaten them every time. Or maybe I guess it was two out of two, but still. Well, I would just, I would just say that Dallas Mavericks team, yeah, they won sixty seven games, but they were designed correctly to beat the Spurs, and the what the Spurs did not have is a bunch of crazy athletic six seven dudes who shot threes with no conscience. Yeah, like like <laughs> playing a conventional offense, they would have been just fine. Um, um anyway. yeah. Well, the other thing, the other thing he bet heavily was the two thousand one Los Angeles Lakers playoff run. Sure. Wow. Very. Uh, no one knew that was going to happen. <laughs> um. <laughs> the, but yeah, he likes to he he for a while like really. Um. I guess his thing was analyzing referee tendencies, mm-hmm. which seems like a kind of a questionable focus for sports gambling success, but what do I know? Um, but recently he does not tweet nearly as much about basketball. He treats much more about cryptocurrency. Uh, he, I would, I would say he's possibly pumping the price of a stock is what it would be called. If it were mm-hmm. a company and not, I don't, series of equations or Look, whatever the fuck Bitcoin is. Haralabob was basketball Twitter Elon Musk, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I'm not... What exactly is he going to do for Dallas, though? Uh, he's director of quantitative research and development, dude. I don't know what any of that means. It means numbers. He's going to run <laughs> analytics. He's going to hire a bunch of nerds and then, like... Uh, like, go on Shark Tank or whatever. I'm just surprised that they wouldn't just have a better analytics department than him already. But maybe maybe I don't know. Uh, you also mean Donnie maybe... Nelson Jr.'s gut, dude? <laughs> I love that foreign guy. I love that foreign guy. That was that was their analytics department before. Look, <laughs> we just developed Dwight Powell and Dorian Finney-Smith for five years. They'll eventually be legitimate NBA eighth men. <laughs> uh, I also wonder if uh, this was perhaps a hire they'd been thinking about and that they did once it turned out there was another sexual predator employed by the Mavs that wasn't in that NBA report. Oh, 100%. It is going to make no difference. Yeah. Also, does he seem like a guy who's uh, going to be good at like managing people? No. Um. All right. Let's uh, do some, should we do some reader mail? This is Round Ball Rock Reader Mail. Communications from listeners. Why do we call it reader mail? It is confusing for robots. All right, so our first question comes from a friend of the pod and Yusuf Nurkic, Stan Corbin Smith. Uh, and he asks, what NBA player bumps Bawit to Ba most frequently? The Kid Rock anthem. Uh, I think it's Kyle Korver, because I think you have to be old enough to really be like, like, I don't feel like Bawit to Ba is something that like really stood the test of time. And I feel like it's exactly the right, like timing and, sort of like false. Yeah, he and, looked like uh, that too. And he was like he the Kyle Corver was like 16 or 17 when that song came out and I can imagine it still being his pregame pump up music even now. Yeah, I think that's the correct answer. I think Kyle Corver is the correct answer. I've been racking my brain here. Uh, 
I could like, see Ron Baker too. Yeah, he's just a little young for it. He's probably more familiar with Kid Rock's excursions into country music. Sure. All right. Uh, Lewis Keen at this Lewis asks, to which NBA player is this preseason most important? This is very, uh, this is an interesting question, I think, because, I mean, my my fir- when I first looked at the question, I was like, Blake Griffin. And then I thought, actually, it doesn't matter to him. Um, I kind of think it was Jaleel Okafor, and then he got hurt. Just because he's like really like rebuilding his life and going to therapy and like proving he belongs, and then he just turned his ankle. He's out for three weeks. Could get passed up on the depth chart by uh, who is it? Alexis Ayinka. Ajinka. Um, I think it's Tyler Ulis. Oh, trying to get his spot because on... he's got to get. Well, he's not going to make a spot on the Warriors, but he's trying to get a spot anywhere. Uh huh. You know, like. So you feel like I don't think the preseason matters for team for players already in rotations. You're trying it matters for those guys trying to make teams. So it's it's like he's a guy on the bubble. Yeah, and Tyler Ulis is a guy people like already, like teams like him. They they want to see that he can play. So it's so you're saying this question has to be someone who's on like a non-guaranteed yes, deal. Yes. I do. Okay. At Outer Right Field asks, what crimes did Bradley Beal commit in a past life to deserve spending every day for the next six to seven months with Dwight Howard, Austin Rivers, and John Wall? I would just say uh, he left out Markeith Morris and Kelly Oubre from that question. (laughs) Uh, You know, on Round Ball Rock, we've been very upfront about our belief in the reincarnation of the human soul. Uh, So I believe that He's like, I think he was like the mean director of like a shady, insane asylum. And so now his ironic punishment is that he has to be in the asylum and he's an inmate himself. So I think like, right. Shady. So he's like Harley Quinn asylum. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I guess who like never fell in love. Yeah, (laughs) but I think he's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, he's like maybe Dr. Chilton from Silence of oh, the Lambs, yeah, yeah, but I yeah, feel yeah. like maybe like a Victorian version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I think. Abuses of uh, the mentally ill and elder abuse. Uh, I think crimes. Uh, I think he was uh, former President Ronald Reagan. Whoa. OK. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, who? ruined california by privatizing all the mental hospitals uh and that's why there are so many crazy people on the streets still to this day (laughs) and he's on after ronald reagan uh shipped all those guns to central america he went to the bradley beal ended up in the gun runningest organization (laughs) washington wizards um, okay, this is one I think we're probably going to talk about for a long time. <laughs> and at Carlos Animals asks, who is the most NBA player? The most NBA player. I thought about this, and um, it may be because we'd been talking about him earlier in the show, but I kind of feel like J.R. Smith is the most NBA player. Like, the highs and the lows. Um off the court and on like like he's he's a guy who's been in a dunk contest but he's a three-point specialist he's 
often an amazing defender, and then sometimes he uh, goes to talk to a friend and forgets that his player's on the court. Uh, he has a lot of tattoos. Um, he's been in fights. He's been the victim of fights. He's been a champion. He's been on the worst team in the league. Um, and he feels like eternal. Like he, he just checks so many boxes mm-hmm. of things I consider NBA. Like came out of high school. Uh, Was a Nick. Yeah, kind of lies about his background, parties a lot, but but is like a veteran of parties who like when people get stabbed outside of nightclubs, he's like, that's why you have your your limo waiting for you when you come outside. Like like he's he's like he feels like an NBA veteran that's almost like a military veteran because mm-hmm. he can he can like smell the enemy and, and ambushes approaching him. Uh, and he's he's made love to Rihanna before. Which is like the pinnacle of an NBA player's existence. Uh, I think that's a good answer. My answer was going to be James Harden. Ooh. Uh, mainly because, like, branding is so important to him that he's done that to his face forever, you know? Uh, also... Yeah, that's, that's a remarkable commitment to um, what has to be extremely unpleasant on a day-to-day basis. He's just, he's tricky, but he's got sneaky athleticism. He's also, uh, there are whispers of, like, uh, weird things he's done, which is very NBA. Yeah. You know, like, rumors that maybe he was uh, uh, drinking lean during a playoff series, that sort of thing. That's very NBA. (laughs) Um, and also he hates Moses Malone Jr. And as we all know, Moses Malone was the most ABA player. Oh, that's a really Um, good, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, he also asked, and for the sake of balance, who is the least NBA player? Oh, who's the least NBA player? This one is harder, I think, because it's like, what I really, I'm trying to think of somebody that has like the mentality of a different kind of athlete. And so to me, like you're looking, you're looking at like a loner. Oh, that's you know, very like, interesting because I think of this as NCAA versus NBA. You oh, know what I mean? oh, oh, that's what you're thinking. Uh, but either way, I'll pick the fucking. I'm gonna pick the least NBA player. Um, the most college player. Yeah, who is the most college player? It would have been Psycho T, but he's no longer in the league. Uh, uh, yeah. I, but I think Tyler Hansborough is maybe the ultimate answer for this question, like all time. Uh, or, of it, course, Christian Leitner. Like, he just seems like he didn't have like the right energy for the NBA. <laughs> no, Even though he's like had so much energy, it was like the wrong kind of energy. <laughs> you know, like like a it's like a a car that if it drives faster, like the the hubcaps start coming off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just like pieces of his own cartilage and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, oh yeah, but he's not in the league anymore. So do you think it's like? Do you think it's like McBuckets? No. The only the only thing is he seems like he's tried to transform himself right. into actually an NBA player, and that's the thing. Um, it Did honestly he... might be Myers Leonard. Oh man, boy. But yeah. there also is something very NBA about Myers Leonard, actually, where he's, like, selling bad clothes. Oh, and he's, like, super jacked. Yeah, and, like, he's got, like, a really bad tattoo. He's, like, he's definitely trying to get... Uh, he has, like, a very uh, super sad upbringing. You know, though. I'm gonna I feel say... feel bad about making fun of him. You know, 
I actually think the least NBA player is Joe Ingles. And that's kind of why people don't get how good he is. Do you know what I mean? Because they look at him and they're like, this guy doesn't look like an NBA player. He looks like a guy that would like lead, like, like carry Kentucky in an NCAA final, but then go undrafted. He's like if Adam Morrison was 40. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, also, like, the ultimate, you know, like, we're picking our ultimate NBA guys, and we're like, well, someone who, like, uh, was, like, not really that much of a part of the NCAA. Joe Ingles got to the league when he was, like, 27. Yeah. He's, like, the ultimate. He he was, like, a 12 and done. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's, uh... uh... Now, I also was thinking about this, and I want to pick the most D-League player, to, or the most G-League player in the NBA, and that is clearly Glenn Robinson the third. Oh, uh, man. And oh, yeah, like son of a famous player. He's just been around long enough. And the whole time you're like, I'm not sure if he's on like the Rio Valley. Bikers. <laughs> like, or is he still? But yeah, like like ability to really dunk. Uh, also, like being anonymous while having a famous name is mm-hmm. truly incredible. Yeah, um, very D-League. G-League. Yeah. Um. Chris Paul is the most baseball player in the NBA. I mean, he <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> well, he's like just razzing the refs all the time. And he's like, he's essentially like if Chris Paul was a baseball player, how often would he step out of the box during an at bat? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, because he's like tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at first I was like, oh, Kirk Heinrich. And then I'm like, no, Kirk Heinrich is extremely NBA. Like, <laughs> like the fact that he's like almost has an exoskeleton is I like mean, very. I it's think... going to be Grayson Allen, but I didn't want to pick him because he hasn't truly been in the NBA yet. Well, he is. He is like a super collegiate for sure. Uh, the least NBA player. It's like. It's got to be, like, someone who just, like, hates basketball. But, Uh, see, I kind of see hating basketball as, like, being very (laughs) NBA. That's a pretty Uh, common theme. And in, like, big men, too. Yeah. Yeah, I I just don't want to pick, like, a white guy. Because it feels like that's the easy answer is being like, oh, this, this white guy seems like he really does not belong in the NBA. Um... I think it might be all the, that being said, I kind of think it's like Tyler Zeller. <laughs> oh, you Just know, like, to like, me is very not NBA actually. Uh-huh. And I, you know what? I want to change my answer. Oh, okay. From Joe Ingles. I think LaMarcus Aldridge is the least NBA player in the NBA. Wait, really? Yeah. Just like, cause again, he's like a guy who like, He's, I mean, look, he's very good at the NBA, but I think of this as a personality question, and his personality uh-huh. does not feel like an NBA player's personality to me, where he's, like, jealous but also quiet, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he's, like, weirdly anti-team, but also is, like, too nice to not be a team, to, like, not, you know, to be truly selfish, you know what I mean? Right, right. I mean, I think his Hall of Fame speech will be really interesting <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> oh, oh, you know who I think is the least NBA player? Who? I, this is who it is. It's Andrew Wiggins. 
I was he's, also he, thinking that he's got he's got all the gifts and just like doesn't put it together, doesn't have like the right mentality. Still, like he still feels like he's a college player that's going to lose right before the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> and he's like, uh, no offense, but he's Canadian, and uh, the NBA the recent NBA landscape is littered with disappointing Canadian players. But doesn't that almost make him more NBA by being no, a disappointing Canadian? because of Naismith or something. I mean, he did. He also went from Canada to Kansas, like the good doctor. <laughs> but uh, no, it can, being a Canadian makes you less NBA mm-hmm. because you know you're doing something that your your nationality does not value. Ultimately, like it's it is still like the number three sport in your country. Sure. Um, but yeah, just like not a good teammate, very individualist. He's like, he, he, he's like almost like an Albert Bell figure. Yeah. I mean, without, it's funny that you like mow down kids in a truck. It's also, it's funny to me that you think like being an individualist and not a very good teammate is not NBA where to me, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty NBA. (laughs) Like, I just feel like you you have been playing on teams for many years, whereas you can be a baseball player and like not talk to anybody. I also want to say, I think Latrell Sprewell is the most NBA player of all time. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't think that's wrong, especially um, his, I mean, his contract negotiating status is extremely <laughs> NBA. It's like very NBA to be cheated out of tens of millions of yeah. dollars. Um, all right. Uh, good question, Carlos. Uh, Thanks, listeners. That's a good one. <laughs> you tell us who do you think are the most and least NBA players out there? Uh, tweet at us at Round Rock Pod or email us at Roundball Rock at, or at Round Rock Pod at gmail dot com. Um, our friend CJ Toledano asks if the game could be played with any other object but a basketball, what would it be? Uh, this is a great question. Um, I'm going to say I would like to see what it would be like if it were, if you could have something that was like in between a basketball and a beach ball, like just a much lighter ball. So like a volleyball. Yeah. I would like it to be lighter than a ball, like, like closer to a beach ball, I guess. I would like to see what it's like to have like a very floaty ball because you have these like giant, super muscular athletic dudes who have to like just tap a little ball in. Uh, I think the shooting would be hilarious. I think it would add a new dimension to rebounding and just figuring out what people's like dribble moves would be, would be great. See, it's funny that you went light because I went heavy and I want to see them play a game with a fucking medicine ball. So like no dribbling at all. No. Well, I mean, some dribbling. I want them to figure out how to make a he- a really heavy basketball uh, medicine ball. You know what I mean? That's like like extra that can also bounce. Game. Yeah, but I so just like you... want to see. But I also want it big like that. <laughs> okay, so is the hoop bigger? The hoop's way bigger. Yeah, okay, I mean it's okay. big enough to fit the medicine ball through it. But, but you're uh, like, but you you have these guys are like heaving it now. Yeah. Also, I want it to like. Uh, feel dangerous coming off the rim. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Where uh-huh. it's like, getting a rebound is like, 
you have to get your hands up because if it hits you in the head, you are out of the game. Yeah, that's pretty great. Uh, the other thing I would suggest, I don't know how to you would ever standardize this, but um, when I was in elementary school, they had like those very standard playground kind of like somewhat tough red balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, one of them was like left by it must have just been left by a, a radiator or something because it got kind of like burned and developed like a weird kind of bump on it. And it was very exciting to play basketball with because the bounces got very unpredictable because you weren't really sure when the like mutant part of the ball would hit the ground instead. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. And like when you shot it, you had to like make sure that if you hit the backboard, you didn't go uh, growth first. So I think that would like unpredictable physics would also make it uh, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I also thought about that, and my second answer was going to be a uh, an overcooked turkey, <laughs> like a full on turkey, like, like a twenty two pound turkey. Yeah, that was overcooked enough where it would sort of bounce. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> also, wouldn't would not mind seeing what tennis ball basketball would look like. Uh, I would also thought that. of egg. I want to see play oh, oh. with one egg. <laughs> like, and if the, the egg breaks, the game is over. <laughs> so you've got to shoot so delicately. Yeah. And... You've got to get a swish. And, and if someone you has to be egg, down there to catch the <laughs> egg when it comes out of the hoop. <laughs> You're probably playing like nine on nine. Yeah. At that point. <laughs> um, okay, our next question uh, comes from f- at Feeling Mini. Uh, he says, I enjoyed your guys' explanation on why you loathe Mike Dunleavy Jr. Can you explain why you guys love Anthony Randolph so much? And I want to, before, Sean, before you go, I want to explain very quickly yeah. that Sean doesn't really love Anthony Randolph that much. Uh, Joey loves Anthony Randolph. Yeah, I, I don't want, you don't have to be included in my weird obsession with Anthony Randolph. I like him a lot. He's just <laughs> not on the level of, like, Don Nelson for me. Sure. To explain my love of Anthony Randolph, uh, he's just one of the most interesting players I've ever seen. Uh, and he came at a point when the Warriors were particularly depressing. It was right after they'd blown up the We Believe team for almost no reason. And uh, Steph Curry was not there yet. And they picked this guy who was like... he, f- You know how Giannis feels like weirdly revolutionary when you watch him where he was like this super tall skinny guy who could dribble and dunk on people anthony randolph was like that but not good (laughs) yeah and also he would get so emotional during games i saw him cry during nba games multiple times Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and there was just something so compelling about that Yeah, I think the time he came around is very specific because it's it's a year after the Warriors have the We Believe team. It's all starting to fall apart. But also, um, it's 2008, and uh, like right as they pick him, Obama's like clinching the Democratic nomination, and it's like this idea that like you know this decade was really rough. Uh, we're seven years out from 9/11. Maybe things are going to turn around. And Anthony Randolph is also just this young symbol of hope. And then, you know, in September, the economy crashes and Anthony Randolph starts 
actually Crashes. playing NBA yeah. basketball, and that's rough. Well, and, no, his uh, first year he was exciting and pretty good. Um, I mean, in, he's in the he he does one of those classic bad rookie things where he's good the last two months of a season when well, no one he, is playing hard. <laughs> well, and he was also the like a like a very exciting fantasy player where he was like. He was like two blocks a game and like uh, two yeah, steals and, and, and he then would he'd hit like, like a fall... three. <laughs> right. He'd like block a guy. He'd talk shit to the guy. And then like, you know, his pants would fall down on the next possession and he'd start crying, you know, crying a little bit. <laughs> I think. But yeah, he his first year. The best way to explain loving Anthony Randolph. We will post this clip if we can find it. Uh-huh. Is the Yao Ming sequence. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Where other other players hated him. Yeah, he dunks on Yao Ming twice, right, and also blocks Yao Ming's shot, but also gets kicked out of the game. <laughs> oh, the other the other thing that's really inspiring about him is the story of him getting drafted. Is that uh, the the Kings were picking right ahead of the Warriors? Oh, and John Nelson and, tricked the Kings. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he he invites Jason Thompson, who's like almost four years older than Anthony Randolph to work out together and just annihilates Randolph. And the Kings are like, this is our man, Jason Thompson. <laughs> Warriors were so stupid letting us see him at this workout. <laughs> and it was just them to trick him. But again, most NBA front office moves that are tricky do not pan out long term. Except for the Latrell Sprewell trick. Where Don Nelson claimed he loved Yinka Dare like a ton. <laughs> I mean, <he's, laughs> Nelly's always playing poker, baby. The, the the draft room is just a just an extension of the poker room. Um. All right, and now our final question, Sean. Uh-huh. But yeah, yes. we'll post the Yao Ming clip. I think it will explain what was so amazing and horrible about Anthony Randolph at the same time, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a great sequence. I'll, we'll put he, it up. He he dunks on Yao Ming a lot. I believe he also blocks a Yao shot. This is all in, like, a three-minute sequence, and then Yao, like, destroys him, and uh, Anthony Randolph cries and gets two technicals and gets kicked out of the game. It's all so <laughs> fast, too. Um. All right, if you, this comes from our friend at Crust Chan. Uh, If you replace Shaquille O'Neal in every Jack Nicholson role, a.k.a. Shaq Nicholson, does it make the movie better or worse? Uh, Um, Okay. Let's not go through every Jack Nicholson role. Maybe we can can go through his, like, award-winning roles. I'm just going to pick some randos. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, Okay, let's go with Easy Rider. I think it's a very different movie with Shaq because those guys do not successfully beat the lawyer up. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of the movie, Captain America and the other guy, I don't remember his name, uh, have like a lawyer present for a lot of their shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't feel I don't feel like people I don't feel like rednecks would feel like they could shoot at him. Um, so okay. better. I'm saying be- Easy Rider's better with Shaq. It, you think it's better with Shaq? Better with Shaq. I think it's worse with Shaq. Okay, Although fine. I do want to see him on the back of a motorcycle. Uh huh. So yeah. That, that... You know what? That tops it. Actually, yeah, better. Okay. Uh, Chinatown. Chinatown. Ah, that's better with Nicholson. I think. 
he's on screen. He's he's in every scene of yeah. that movie, I believe. Um, also, Roman Polanski would not be able to cut Shaq's nose with a switch. He can't, he can't, he can't reach, reach his nose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, five easy pieces. You know, I would. I think Nicholson's better, except for the diner scene. I want to hear Shaq do the chicken salad sandwich monologue where they aren't serving toast. And he's like, I want you to hold a pickle. Mm-hmm. I want you to hold a mustard. I want you to hold a mayonnaise. I want you to hold the chicken sandwich. <laughs> I want you to hold it right between your legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just that scene, Shaq. Okay. Um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I don't know if Shaq can pull off the role of uh, Rail McMurphy. He, I would like to see Shaq. Uh, well, that's the thing. Like Shaq, I feel like would break that window very early in the film. Yeah, I, that's the he thing. Doesn't... Shaq clearly should be playing uh, Chief Bromden. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Um. Let's go with The Shining. The Shining. Um, I'd like to see Shaq try it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, also, for some reason, the idea of Shaq being frustrated, (laughs) being frustrated writing a novel is really funny to me. But also, if they zoom in on that old-timey party and it turns out that Shaq was there in the Yeah. (laughs) That part is good. Okay, I but don't yes, want to see a man so. that big torturing Shelley. Oh yeah, that would that would it just be too scary. Yeah. Him like going through the maze, he'd be like, "God damn it!" Yeah. Um. Okay, Nicholson wins that one. It, it's close though because that picture really. <laughs> and Shaq at a typewriter is pretty yeah. good. You know what? I think I do want to see Shaq in The Shining <laughs> actually. Um. All right, what about uh, Batman? Oh, uh, I think you want Shaq Nicholson. I think you want Shaq Nicholson as the Joker as well. I don't think Jack Nicholson is very good as the Joker, frankly. Uh, (laughs) Have you ever rapped with the devil in the pale moonlight? Yeah, and Shaq Shaq would do some fun dancing with those cool Prince songs. It would be good. Well, and like I would say the other thing you got to do is... um, you got to cast Kobe Bryant in the Jack Palance role. <laughs> oh. um, all right. What about a few Kobe, good men? You're my number one. Kobe, you're my number one. Oh, actually, no. The scene would be, how does my ass taste? <laughs> all right. Uh, a few good men, Sean. Uh, I think Nicholson, because Shaq would be like, I don't know. Shaq's pretty into the military and authority. Yeah, he is Uh-oh. like a fascist. Don't forget, Shaq's a cop, everyone. Yeah. I don't know if he can pull off the courtroom scene. I don't think he could. He'd just like start let he'd be he'd just want to joke around too much. Alright, here's one where I think Shaq wins like hands down. It's not even close. Uh-huh. And that is the movie Wolf. Oh, fantastic. Shaq should have been in. Yeah. <laughs> Shaq should star in Wolf anyway. They should remake it. Mike Nichols is still alive. Come on. <laughs> Make it with Shaq. Your greatest triumph. Uh, about Mike, Sh- Mike Nichols is dead. Sorry. About Sorry. Schmidt? Uh, I don't think Shaq you know, can pull off about Schmidt, dude. <laughs> that's, that's a tough ask. 
Uh, Shaq can would, he pull the off only, that hot tub that's scene? That's the only scene Shaq could pull off, I think. No. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's the scene. He's not... I don't... I'm not gonna... I don't know if Shaq, even after his work in Uncle Drew, can really pull off that kind of, like, old man sadness. Uh, yeah. Uh, what about as good as it gets? I think Shaq could do that I one. I think Shaq could also do that one pretty well. No, just, like, bullying Greg Kinnear? Yeah. Also, I kind of feel like Shaq and Helen Hunt would have some chemistry. Yeah. Uh, anger management feels like a Shaq movie already. Yeah, like, he's not in that. <laughs> uh, and finally, The Departed, Sean. I want it. I, I gotta say, I don't think Nicholson's very good, and I think Shaq adds a weird... I do, too. Shaq's more menacing than Jack Nicholson in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if he would do the movie theater scene with the dildo. And I think that would maybe make the movie stronger if Shaq just opted out of that. <laughs> All right. Now, for a counterbalance, we added this ourselves. Yeah. Uh, are there any movies you want to see where Jack Nicholson replaces Shaq? All right. Um, well, I'd like to see him. I mean, I don't think he can pull off the athleticism needed in the Uncle Drew movie. But I'd like to see him try those emotional scenes. Especially, I would like write more scenes for him and actor Nate Robinson, who was tremendous. <laughs> um, I think this is a pretty easy answer, actually. I want to see Jack Nicholson as Steel. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I would like to see Jack Nicholson as Kazam. Yeah. Like a, like, it feels like if Jack Nicholson had gotten into like bad money problems. Oh, like Robert you know, De Niro? You could have just oh yeah exactly like the Nero where because Sam's like I gotta grant you wishes kid. <laughs> um, I mean, um, I also wouldn't mind seeing him play the uh, Shaq's role in Freddy Got Fingered. No, and I think he also could be. Um, I would have liked to see him maybe uh, give it a shot in uh, the Wash. Mm-hmm. Just to just to give that movie a little more balance, and then. Uh, also, Thunderstruck. I wouldn't mind seeing him in Thunderstruck, opposing Kevin Durant as like an old man who took his. Oh my God! I didn't realize Shaq's character in, in Uncle Drew is literally just named Big Fella. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh! I w- I would like to see um him in like a reality series where Jack Nicholson is challenged to do things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Shaq uh, what versus. Is Jack versus so Jack versus, but it's all like playing poker, seducing a 23 year old, um, like escaping liability when your friend gets busted with a bunch of cocaine like that would be. um, Yeah, I would like that. Um, Yeah, there was one other one. Oh, uh, did you know Shaq played a character named Detective Earl Dayton on the television show Southland? (laughs) What? I'm looking at Shaq's IMDb page right now, and yes. I don't think I'm totally familiar with what... Oh, it's a TNT Southland was a gritty TNT cop show. Jesus Christ, that went for five seasons. And there's an episode where Shaq plays Detective Earl Dayton in the episode The Felix Paradox. (laughs) Incredible. Oh, that that stars uh, Sean Hattosi. 
from from Alpha Dog. I believe it's pronounced Hadassi. Hadassi. Yeah. Um. Yeah. See Thomas Howell also on the show. All right. Um. (laughs) There are some weird things on Shaq's IMDb page. He works. He works a lot. Yeah. Uh. He's in the. He's in the remake of What Women Want that's in pre-production right now called What Men Want. Oh yeah. No. Who can tell what men want? <laughs> just nothing in our society telling us that. So thank God you can finally figure out what men are interested in without it's, them opening their mouths one single it's time. It's also weird Shaq was wasn't on The Simpsons until 2017. Wow. Seems like that took a while. It took too long. Um Simpsons. All right. Uh yeah. And readers, just so you know, you can always Send us questions. Well, this was a reader-specific uh, episode because we're waiting on that uh, Jimmy Butler trade before we do the Northwest preview. Um, but we'll always answer questions. Thank you to all our readers and listeners. Um, uh, we have another thing we want to do here, Sean, before we leave. Well, we, we, we have some correspondence. They love comic books. Uh, they've appeared on the podcast briefly in the past. Uh, they're identical twins. It's Brooke and Robin Lopez. At and the they're going to. Yeah, at the movies. Brooke and Robin Lopez at the movies. Twin brothers in Who? And fandom. DC versus Marvel. Offense versus defense. Nerds who are jocks. Post ops versus hard screens. Jocks who are nerds. Kane versus Abel. The Snyder Cut. Take it away, Brooke. Or Robin. I'm not really sure who is who. Hi, this is Robin Lopez, center for the Chicago Bulls. I'm not really an Brooke NBA. Lopez. Shut up, Brooke, I'm trying to do the intro. Brooke plays for the Bucks, which means he's uncomfortably close to me living in the city of Chicago, but it does mean that we can get together and watch movies from our favorite genre, which is comic book movies. We're supposed to say that together, Brooke. Oh, sorry. This weekend, we saw Venom, which stars Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock. Journalist Eddie Brock is trying to take down Carlton Drake, the notorious and brilliant founder of the Life Foundation. While investigating one of Drake's experiments, Eddie, Eddie's body emerges from the with the alien venom, leaving him with superhuman strength and power. Twisted, dark, and fueled by rage, Venom tries to control the new and dangerous abilities that Eddie finds so intoxicating. That's a summary. Now you go, Robin. All right, fine. You read that summary perfectly fine, Brooke. I'm supposed to find places to compliment your actions so we're not always feuding. <gasps> I thought Being the movie... a little brother sucks. Well, I'm minutes older, and that means that I'm the lead host on the podcast, and it also means that I get to choose our first item of movie candy at the screening. Oh, shut up. I hate you. I chose Sour Patch Kids. Oh, I wanted Mike and Ike's. I mean, we bought them both, but 
we opened the Sour Patch Kids first because of seniority. Um, I thought they did a great job making a Venom movie without having Spider-Man, who is part of, of course, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I didn't think that Venom was sick and twisted enough, though. Why? He was pretty sick and twisted. He ate that guy. But I want him to be more twisted. I want him to have the rage of a Serge Ibaka, the ferocity of a Bobby Portis, and the pure, just evil twistedness of Jared Leto's Joker. Let's talk about Tom Hardy. Um, as always, I thought Tom Hardy was amazing in this movie, Robin. Yeah. But not I don't quite know. as amazing as he was in The Dark Knight Rises, which no. ever since I saw that movie, I've been planning for how I would deal with a Bane situation if it happened at a basketball game. That's incredible. What would you do, Brooke? That would be so scary. Oh, I'd post him up, I'd take him on the low block, and I'd uh-huh. do a really pretty jump hook over Bane. Oh my god, Rob Brooke, that's so stupid. The League of Shadows doesn't respect your jumper. Here's what I would do. I'd get in the path of Bane. I wouldn't let him move the bombs to the center of the field. I'd move my feet, and I'd draw a charge. That's stupid. You, yeah, well, you gotta play stupid. offense against Bane, Robin. Oh, you gotta trust your teammates. That's how Batman eventually defeats people. He gets the police out of the sewers. Uh, anyway. What I liked about Tom Hardy's performance was, as always, the voice. There's no other movie star who's as easy to understand on the screen with the diction and who opens his mouth just the right amount. I felt like I was back home with Brooke. I've got to say, Venom is maybe my favorite character. When we lived together in New York, we went to Comic-Con, me and Robin, and I was Venom and he was Carnage. Yeah. Brooke likes Venom the best, but I kind of prefer Carnage because he's more twisted. Yeah, he's like Bobby Portis. Yeah, where there's no... So sick and twisted. Venom has a human inside him, but Carnage is just the embodiment of evil and murder, kind of like Phil Jackson. I've got to say, I really really, uh, like Venom because he's a symbiote, and uh in some ways, I feel like you, Robin, are a symbiote to me, Brooke. What? Yeah, stop being a symbiote. Stop sucking off everything about me. Oh, just because we both went to Stanford together? That's because we're smart, You're Brooke. stealing my life force, Robin. I'm not a symbiote. I'm just adaptable to a lot of situations. I hate you. I hate you, too. And I hate your cat. Yeah, what the heck? That's my cat is misunderstood. out of New York. What? I hate your stupid cat. What? You said that the Nets were doing that because they wanted cap space. Well, the Nets are more. I hate your cat. I hate you, Robin. I thought we were getting together so well, but I guess it makes sense that our cats don't get along. But one thing I didn't hate was the movie Venom. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, and it was a huge hit at the box office this weekend. It made $89.8 million, which yeah, is that... almost as much as I made off of just Mikhail Prokhorov. Oh, my God. 
It had the October... What's it like being super poor, Robin? <laughs> I hate you so much. Look, Venom set a box office record for the month of October, which is kind of like being the leading scorer in the history of the Nets. Hey, at least I'm the leading scorer in something stupid. What are you the I, leading scorer in? Punching mascots? I was, a leading, I was the leading scorer with your high school girlfriend, Brooke. Hey, that's not Venom. cool. Yeah, that's cool. You know what is cool, though? What's that? When Venom sticks his tongue out, and oh he's like, oh. oh, it was so sick when, I gotta say, Brooke, as much as being around you and your cat makes me sick, it's not as sick as Venom. It's so, so good. Venom was so good. I give it four and a half jump hooks out of five. And I give it five, my natural position, and uh, where I am a defensive stalwart. Brooke, I have a question for you. Yes? Do you want to go see another comic book movie at a theater equidistant to Chicago and Milwaukee later this fall? Yeah, I think we could do that. I think you get to choose the candy first this time. Oh, that's so sweet of you, Robin. Robin, you're the best older brother a Lopez could ask for. Brooke... And you're one of my better brothers. Back to you, Sean and Joey. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, those um, those guys really liked the movie. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know that I learned a lot about the movie. but It didn't uh, seem like they thought he was sick and twisted enough. That's really the only thing I got out of it. Yeah, I mean, they, they like things that are sick. Like, who was even in the movie besides Tom Hardy? I, they didn't even talk about who the bad guy was. Yeah, Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed we, is the bad guy in that movie, by oh, the way. We got, I did get an email from Robin previewing the show, but most of it was just about the running time and their troubles uh, deciding where to park at mm-hmm. the theater garage. Uh, they, there were apparently were some purple nurples administered <laughs> in the car. Um, all right, Sean, plug something. Oh, yeah. Uh, some stuff on. Oh, I'm going to have a thing on the Shocker that'll be up uh, tomorrow morning. That When this episode goes up, you can come read it. It's about uh, baseball postseason slogans. And I'm going to actually give you the title real quickly M- MLB postseason mottos, the bad, the worse, and the fucking ugly. So, uh, so one of the wokest pieces you're going to read about baseball's postseason slogans. Uh, and then as for me, a uh, friend of the show, Chris Garcia, has a Comedy Central Presents half hour this weekend. Uh, watch that, please. Yeah, uh, he was the one who said that Woody Allen should have to play for the Knicks. One of the funniest things that anyone has ever said on mm-hmm. Round Rock. Uh, it's yep. a good special, too. Uh, first person to uh, whose wedding I spoke at to be on television for half an hour. Um and then, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie Muniz, where earlier today I tweeted, heading over to at Odyssey Aquarium to hopefully pay a visit to Jazzy the Penguin and see some other interesting water creatures. Oh, my God. Keep that penguin away from him. Zoo. Weird, dude. Aquarium. Uh, sh- shut it down. Let's go home. Trust the process. Trust the process. Look, uh, 
never lying. I know they was lying. When I was going through the motions, I wasn't even trying. Uh, now I'm all up in the game like EA. Trying to clean my thoughts. I ain't worried about what he say. I worry about what she say. Cause that'll cause drama. I don't want no problems. They told me get it. I went and got it. I ain't playing games with them. Visionary flow, I'm trying to be a billionaire by 23, LeBron James with him. The game's so superficial, man, I can't even lie. Can't even feel no emotion, dog, I can't even cry. And who am I? That's what I'm trying to figure out. And ain't worried about the small stuff, I'm thinking bigger picture now. Got my head on the swivel, never know who with you now. Cause they'll build you up so bad just so they can get you down. Wow, uh, I'm really learning the high lessons. Bass got delivery like I'm sending the eye message. That's why I'm texting, I don't like phone calls. Off the wall, like Mike Jack, I always got him in all. Need a round of applause. I don't do this for y'all. I don't do this for them. I do this thing for the cause. RP my dog Freddy. I was dropping my jaw when I heard the news. Remember, we would go out and ball for real. This life can end any second. Don't you forget it. Got one life to live. Now think of how you gon' live it. They was trying to hold me down with the rest of them. I was livid. I was serious about this thing, and they really thought I was kidding. Dog, I'm really finna snap like I'm going broke. Reggie Miller flow, they all choke cause they all jokes. Shooting in my zone, hit a three and leave them all soaked. My flow so clean, you the opposite with no soap. Got no hope for these haters that's trying to poke at the game. Ain't never played, that's how I'm knowing they lame. Need to stay in they lane. Matter of fact, they don't know where to go. Yeah, I hear him talking, I'm just looking like whatever, bro. Got a lot to say and I'm just really trying to let it go. These tricks up my sleeve, but I don't really think they ready though. Live from the zone and where the sun out. Time to hit the gym with Sundance, bring that gun out. I ain't talking Glocks, I'm just trying to have some fun now Putting up these shots, now I think it's time to run now Jack Ramsey's been doing this my whole life and they can't stand me This hard work and dedication, it's gonna come in handy Yeah, I'm so focused, man I'm just working on my game, you should know this, man Yelling dream out the window where that new school bands My circle small, circle tight, I'm yelling no new friends I can't do it, this love for the game, I can't lose it And to deal with all these things that I'm seeing I make music, it's dream Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.